Ion 2020, episode 64. Have 2020 vision with Ion 2020, the podcast that brings you all the news and events in the lead up to the next presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date as we approach November 2020 with a libertarian perspective of all the candidates and their policies, along with the news. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's clear our vision. Hey everybody, it's Ray Eaton, your host of Ion 2020, broadcasting from sunny South Carolina, the Palmetto State. I appreciate you coming out and listening to me today. Going to bring you some of the news and some of the information every day, Monday through Friday, in order to make sure that you have all of the information that you need to make decisions with regards to who you're going to vote for in 2020, or if you don't vote. You might want to just uh, you know have that information and, and have some good arguments with your friends and you know hop on Facebook and post some memes, follow some articles and things of that nature there. And you can find those articles that I post and that I talk about uh, over at IonTheEmpire.com. That's my website. Uh, there you can find information about the podcast. You can find information about you know all the news events that I find that I scour the internet for constantly looking for the best news for you. And you could also uh, donate to me there because I just put up a uh, a donation page as well. So if you want to go ahead and become a supporting listener type thing, you can do that as well, support the show. Uh, and you just hit, click that support that on, the home, on the home page or on the drop-down box. You'll be able to click on the support and you'll be able to go ahead and make a donation if you want. 99 cents, 4.99, whatever you want. I guess you can do that. Um, not asking for much, uh, really, you know, but if you want to do it, I'll just give you the option to do that as well if you like what you hear. Uh, but anyway, besides that point, I was going to try to put on, I mentioned this yesterday, I was going to try to put on some advertisements on the show, but I think I'm not going to go that route. I'm not sure. We'll see. Uh, haven't really made that full determination yet on whether I want to do that or not. I know a lot of people in the podcasting world, they try to monetize their shows, and I'm more doing this for fun right now. We'll see where it leads. So we'll see where that leads as well. So just you know, a little housekeeping there. So I appreciate appreciate you. But uh, go ahead, if you can, subscribe to the show, and uh, give me a five-star rating and review. I'd appreciate that if you do that as well. And uh, let your friends know about the show because... Uh, you know, that's the best way to spread the message, right? And, uh, you know, I preach from a libertarian standpoint, and I take all the news from a libertarian standpoint as well. Maybe I'm not hardcore enough for some of y'all, but, you know, at least I'm throwing out some uh, good ideas as well. And maybe I'm too hardcore for some of y'all. Uh, that's okay as well. So uh, just, you know, keep on listening because maybe, you know, we could come together and uh, find some good common ground so that we could make some decisions and maybe change this country a little bit as well. Um, and that's all I want to do, you know, is make a make a slight change in this country so that we can get more towards a country that, you know, values self-sufficiency. And I know a lot of you guys do out there as well. So uh, that's a good thing. But let's hop into some news. Let's do that. All right. And the reason why, you know, this is a news show and I want to make sure that I bring you all the best news that I can. And uh, the New Yorker on uh, March 29th, 2019, found this article and it says, which Democratic 
presidential candidates have qualified for the first debates. So the Democrats have a specific way that they're going to be uh, letting people into the debates, and that's what this article will go over and which candidates have already made it in. And uh, the reason why I typically, you know, I'm following so much on these Democratic candidates, uh, not to bore the bore the pants off of some of you, but to give, I just like to give a critical view of who these people are and uh, what they what they stand for and what their ideas are. Because you know, from a libertarian standpoint, a lot of times these people, especially the ones with the socialist policies, uh, those with, that are more socialist leaning, you know, that really goes against the grain when you do value limited government when you value freedom from the individual and so forth and you know it's it's nice to look at these democratic candidates and really give them you know the best critique that you can because what they're going to be doing to you down the road is you know causing you know using force against you in order to you know get their ways you know get their policies and their agendas forwarded right um I mean, all a politician really is is somebody that thinks that they know better than you. So they want to go run for president or run for Congress or run for, you know, mayor or run for dog catcher. And uh, they think that they have some kind of solution that's going to benefit the world, benefit the individuals around them and so forth. So somehow they think that if they run for president or run for whatever, you know, elected official that they're trying to become, that somehow they're going to be able to better your life. Um... So, I mean, there, there's these people, they have a really, what would you say, like a, they, they, they must have a lot of self-esteem. They must really think that they are something great. And uh, so when they run for office, you know, you hear a lot of these people, they say, I, 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 and all they do is talk about what they can do and what, you know, only they are the ones that can, you know, get this, you know, bridge the divide only they're the ones that can bring the country together only they're the ones that can get medical payments cheaper for you they only they can do this and only they can do that and somehow they get people believe in that and i i I just don't know i I mean to, to me that's a really weird way to think about yourself and to me i don't think i'd ever run for political office because i just don't think that me meddling in someone else's business and me trying to tell somebody how to do things is the best thing, you know, is is a be- the best thing or is even a good thing, really. I mean, to be honest with you. So just thinking about that, I mean, if these people have such a high self-worth that they think so highly of themselves that they can control your life and that they know better than you do, um, that's, you know, typically why... <laughs> why I've refrained from voting in the past. Um, but this particular article that I want to talk about, which Democratic candidates have qualified for the first debates, um, it really gets into a little bit, and let's just I'll just start from the beginning. It says, on, just, on June 26th and 27th in Miami, and at some point in July on CNN, the 2020 Democratic presidential contest will quickly get real with the first sanctioned candidate debates of the cycle. In February, the Democratic National Committee published reasonably clear rules and guidelines for these events, making it possible to figure out which candidates have qualified for the big stage, or rather stages, since the DNC anticipates events that span two consecutive evenings to accommodate the large field with placement in one night or the other being determined randomly so no kitty table debates like the Republicans held in 2016 for less esteemed candidates. So if you remember back in 2016, there was I think there was 17 or 18 candidates that were running 
on the uh, the Republican ticket, and at that point, they based it upon where you were polling on which debate stage you would be on. So they had two nights, and they had I think it was eight or nine people on the on the debate stage the first night, and I think it was actually more than that. It might have been ten people on the deba- debate stage the first night. Um, and each of them got to speak, but those are the ones that had the most, that were pulling the best among those Republicans. And then they had a kitty table, which they called it, which is the people that were pulling, you know, one, two percent and so forth. And I remember actually watching the debates at that time and having that kitty table was actually, that debate was actually better to watch because the candidates got more time to speak. They got more time to explain themselves. They got more time to, um, really address the crowds better and be more thorough in their examination of the of the issues that they were talking about whereas on the larger debate stage those 10 or 12 people or however many people it was that were on that larger debate stage you know each of those candidates only got a a couple minutes here and there to speak so nobody really got to have their message of cross but i don't think any of those larger or those those candidates that were on the kitty stage i don't think they ever even got past that one or two percent polling so it didn't really help them to rise up i think the way the democrats are going to do this is probably a little bit better if they're going to have you know 15 to 20 candidates up there running then it's probably better to have uh two different debates through two night or two nights of debating and just kind of randomly choose who it's going to be because then you're going to have a better viewer viewership as well as you're going to have um these larger profile candidates like Bernie Sanders going against the Tulsi Gabbards. Um, and then those people that are, you know, the, the one and 2% candidates where nobody might've watched the debates last time when the Republicans did it, they'll more likely to, people are more likely to watch those debates, especially, you know, if, if there's a Bernie Sanders on one debate stage and a Joe Biden on the other debate stage, uh, because those are the two most popular candidates right now. Those are the ones that are most likely to, um, most likely to win, I guess, at this point, the way that they're polling. So let's hop into this. The DNC offers two ways to qualify. Polling method. Register 1% or more support in three polls, which may be national polls, or polls in Iowa, or New Hampshire, or South Carolina, or Nevada, publicly released between January 1st and 14 days prior to the date of the organiza- organized uh, debate. Qualifying polls will be limited to those sponsored by one or more of the following organizations, institutions, Associated Press, ABC, CBS, CNN, Des Moines Register, Fox News, Las Vegas Review. So quite a few of these uh, polls that are sponsored by specific, oh, even Quinnipiac Quinnipiac University and uh, Reuters polls. So a lot, and the Wall Street Journal has one as well. So as long as they're in one of those polls as well. Any candidates, three qualifying polls must be conducted by different organizations or if by the same organization must be a different geographical areas. Grassroot funding method. Candidates may qualify for the debate by demonstrating that the campaign has received donations from at least 65,000 unique donors and a minimum of 200 unique donors per state in at least 20 states. To demonstrate that the fundraising threshold has been reached, candidates must provide verifiable evidence, which they may do by authorizing Act Blue or NGP Van to provide that evidence. So that's why I've seen a lot of these candidates running their donation page through Act Blue, because Act Blue must be a Democratic 
uh, company of some sort that helps to raise money and that they could then prove that they are um, getting those donations that way. So that's why when Tulsi Gabbard did, I, in all, you know, I I did donate a dollar to Tulsi Gabbard's campaign. Uh, I think anyone that's been listening to this show for a while knows that just because I wanted to see her on the debate stage. And that's why she did it through Act Blue. And I've seen other candidates that are um, accepting donations through Act Blue as well. That's so they could prove it. Um, and they're trying to get those 65,000 unique donors, uh, 200 donors per state in 20 different states. So who's already qualified? According to the analysis from 358, uh, 12 announced candidates and one very prominent unannounced candidate have made that cut. All but one via the polling method will we'll continue to update this post as more candidates make the cut. So this is the first one. Joe Biden. Though he's yet to actually announce, Biden is ranked or at the least very near the top the entire time uh, that they've been doing these polls. In every national poll and early state poll taken, the explosion of Biden Abrams dream ticket idea began being circulated by uh, Biden boosters has been the one piece of bad news recently for the former Veep, whose entry into the race isn't definite but is probable. And that's what they've been saying. I mean, he did have a little bit of an issue in the last couple days with this whole him being, you know, groping women or whatever. Um, I know that from the New York Times article about the person that was accusing him of this, uh, she said that he came up behind her. Like, okay, so she was in, he was invited to speak at one of her campaign rallies for governor of Nevada. And then just before she was going out to give her speech, Joe Biden was standing behind her. Uh, probably a group of people were standing all together, right? And he just happened to be standing by, behind her. He grabbed her by the shoulders or put his hand on her shoulders. It probably depends upon how you perceive it, right? So she might have perceived it as he grabbed him by the shoulders. At the time, she might have thought that as well. That's the way she describes it. So, But in all fairness, she is a Bernie Sanders uh, she works on the Bernie Sanders campaign right now, so she could be indulging, but obviously you don't want to take things too too lightly as well. So, um, but there might be some political motivation behind what she's saying. Who knows? Um, but anyway, she's a Bernie Sanders su- supporter. I think she works on his campaign even in Nevada. So he came up behind her, or he was already standing behind her, and he put his hands on her shoulders, and then she says they leaned in and smelled her hair and then kissed her on the back of the head. Um, if it's true, that's, I mean, a lot of people are saying, well, that's just old Joe, you know, he's just a crazy old man. They call him uncle Joe, you know, he's a little bit too overly, overly, uh, touchy feely and everything else. Um, in this day and age though, I think that, uh, you just don't do that, but this is well before the me too movement of 2017. This is 2015. Um, and I guess the guy will know better next time. But I don't know if this is going to affect him running or not. Um, if this is the worst, like I said yesterday, this, if this is the worst that they have on this guy, um, that's probably a good thing for him, I guess. So I don't, I, I don't think that this is going to be too much of a challenge. And they say if you YouTube like uh, perverted or old Uncle Joe or Uncle Joe touchy feely or something like that on YouTube, uh, you will see, you know, him the way, just the way that he acts around these women and not groping them. He's not like grabbing their butts or anything like that, but he's just a little bit too, you know, over touchy feely. They say that's from that 60s, 70s era, era politics, though, 
where men were just kind of like that with women. Um, and that's where he came up on, right? So he just needs to realize that today's a different day and age, and that's not going to be very good for him. Um, okay, Bernie Sanders is also qualified for the debates. We all know that. I mean, the guy's polling really high. Sanders is ranked second in the bulk of national or early state surveys and is running first in some New Hampshire polls. So he's running first in a lot of these New Hampshire polls. That's that's good uh, for him anyway. And then given his large and active small donor fundraising base, Sanders would certainly qualify by the grassroots fundraising method if needed. <clears throat> Yeah, it's almost certain that that guy's running or running a campaign that's going to get lots and lots of donors as well. Um, I saw, like, you know, on March 31st, which was the last day of the quarter, and that's when these people are going to be reporting their campaign donations and so forth to the uh, federal, the federal campaign regulators, whoever regulates the campaigns. Um, they're saying that they were all trying to get their, you know, quarterly donations in and so forth because that's when they're going to report how many how many dollars that they spent and how many dollars that they uh, raised for that quarter. And I know Bernie Sanders said that he wasn't quite making. He sent out a tweet like I don't know sometime in the evening time on March 31st and was saying that he hasn't quite made his quarterly goal and to please share with a friend and let them know that they need to donate to the campaign. So. I also saw a lot of other campaigns doing that as well. Tulsi Gabbard was doing it. Um, quite a few of these. Beto O'Rourke was doing it. Kamala Harris was doing it. Elizabeth Warren was doing it. Uh, I don't. I didn't see Cory Booker doing that. But they're all about to. Re- you know, they're all reporting to the um, the regulators now on their campaigns. So okay. So moving forward, Kamala Harris has also qualified. Harris is one of the top uh, or one of a group of candidates who are are trailing Biden and Sanders by a significant margin in the polls, but who rank consistently well above that 1% threshold. Same as same with Beto O'Rourke. I actually saw a poll the other day that showed uh, it was Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, and then Beto O'Rourke. So uh, that was number one, two, and three. Beto O'Rourke was somewhere in the, like, the 9 or 10, maybe 12% range. Bernie Sanders was in that 20% range. And Joe Biden was around 26-27% of voters supporting. So um, we got Beto O'Rourke, who is, you know, now that he's announced, I guess he he must be a very charismatic guy. I don't know. The interviews that I've seen him do, he seems like he's dodgy with questions, it seems like to me, uh, where he answers questions but very, poli- very politically. You know how politicians do it. They just kind of answer questions in a roundabout way. They don't really answer them, though. Um, so he seems like he knows his stuff, but not like in depth. So I mean, he knows some of the issues, but he doesn't know how it, how to solve the problems. He just knows it is a problem. But I mean, he's he's a popular guy, and I think that on the national stage, people tend to like him. So uh, he's the first punk rock president if he becomes president. That's what they've been saying, and he loves to jump on tables. He loves to jump up on tables, and uh, so I heard he's like six foot five six foot six he swings his arms all around and talks to these people and uh i'm, I'm sure it's fun to go to his events I, I would imagine that's the case um elizabeth warren she has also you know over one percent of the vote and then you got cory booker same thing and then ab klobuchar she's pulling above one percent and pete Buttigieg is also pulling over one percent as well so and then uh Let's see. I, one thing I wanted to mention as well, Elizabeth Warren, that woman is not getting any traction. 
I've just noticed that her poll numbers, as much as you hear about her, as many TV appearances that she makes and so forth, you would think that she would start to slightly pull away from some of these other contenders, right? So some of these other people that are running, but she's just not. She's, I, I don't know. I mean, she just seems like the old, not the old lady, because she's not really that old. I think she's 69 years old. Um, so, so that's not like really old, but she's just like the the lady that she has some good ideas, but she seems like, I don't know. She doesn't have like, to, to me, she doesn't have that leadership, leadership charisma, I guess, uh, that some of these other candidates have. Like when I listened to um who was it it was uh what's her name uh amy klobuchar when i was listening to her speak on one of these sunday shows like she really knew her stuff she seemed like she was uh super intelligent as well and she also you know she knew the issues but she said it in a in a very eloquent way that sounded very presidential i guess and i'm not one that looks at these candidates uh, as presidential all the time, uh, I just think that, like, you can tell a very presidential candidate versus someone that's not, someone that's very likable versus someone that's not, and sometimes I feel like Elizabeth Warren, uh, does, maybe doesn't have that, and that's why she's not getting that, that, getting that traction. Cory Booker, he has that, you know, that appeal, that very charismatic guy, uh, very confident when he speaks and so forth. Uh, Elizabeth Warren, she has a lot of ideas, and she has a lot of new ideas that people may not have heard that she's trying to push forward, but I just don't think she has that charisma that a lot of these politicians have, and that might be a hindrance to her getting forward. But she is in the debates. She's she's making the debates, so we shall see how that helps her out once June comes. Um, and then you got Kirsten Gillibrand, Gillibrand, I believe is how you actually pronounce it. She's in as well as uh, Jay Inslee. The Washington governor does not have Gillibrand's problem at all. He's identified himself clearly as a candidate who is making climate change his sole priority. So that's he's the green candidate, I guess is what you'll call him. That's his number one uh, campaign. Is uh, He's going to be f- focused on climate change. We got John Hickenlooper. I actually heard him on one of the Sunday morning shows this week. And he actually s- seemed... He's the... Uh, governor of Colorado here. He was the governor of Colorado, as well as the mayor of Denver. And he, they, they say that he is a extreme uh, centrist, I guess is what he's trying to run on, right? So he's going to, if Joe Biden does not get in, you might have John Hickenlooper pick up some of the uh, pieces of Joe Biden's campaign. You might have him that gets a lot of the people that come over to him, come over to his side and start wanting to vote for him because he is a moderate. That's what they were calling him, an extreme moderate, is what they were calling him on those shows. And they didn't ask him a lot of extreme moderate type questions by any means when they were interviewing him. But um, he seemed like he knew what he was talking about. He seemed very, uh, you know, he's a politician, so he's he's able to speak clearly and speak well and so forth. Um, and he's from Colorado, so people might think he's just cool because of that. I don't know. Uh, but you'd have to, you really have to get into these people's, you know, what they did when they were, when they were, when they were governor, also what their current ideological uh, perspective is, and then judge them based upon that. But I guess he is in, he has uh, made it into the debates because he gets 1% of the vote. And then the last one that they mention here is no, 
not Tulsi Gabbard. They don't even mention Tulsi Gabbard in this thing, except from the very end. Um, it says Andrew Yang, the only candidate so far to qualify for the debates through the grassroots fundraising method, is entrepreneurial or entrepreneur and social media sensation Andrew Yang, who has developed a significant and quite young following with his self-consciously quirky persona and a universal basic income proposal. If he can translate this online charisma to the debate stage, he can make some waves. So Andrew Yang is the guy that's preaching a universal basic income. I guess he's a entrepreneur, um, like a tech entrepreneur of some sort. I'd have to look into him a little bit more. I actually want to do an article, or not an article, an episode on him because I've he's been making a little bit of a splash lately. He's an Asian American gentleman, and uh, when he speaks, it you know he he knows his stuff. He knows he speaks very well. He speaks uh, clearly, concise, gets to the point. Uh, and he really does preach this universal basic income proposal, and the reason why he says that we need a universal basic universal basic income is because um, robots are going to basically take over all of our jobs at that point. Automation. So he says that instead of an econ the, or the the economy is going to lose millions upon millions of jobs over the next couple over the next decade that are not going to be able to ma- be made up by. Uh, new innovations or new types of careers and so forth and that we need a universal basic income to help support that um and that's what i would have to get into more on an actual episode is just talking about the universal basic income what it is and also some of the negatives and maybe some of the positives of it because there are a lot of libertarians that in the past have proposed a universal basic income even Milton Friedman, who a lot of libertarians look to as like uh, somebody that wrote a lot of books and you know spoke and, and brought libertarianism to its uh, kind of to the forefront. So I'll get into that. But he's the only one that has made got that sixty five thousand people that uh, have donated to his campaign. And then we have this the the way the way that the article wraps up there are several potential candidates who might make the polling threshold pretty quickly if they choose to run including Montana governor Stephen Bullock and Virginia governor Terry McCulphy or what is it McCulphy I guess let me know how to pronounce that if you can uh, through Twitter if you want to or you can uh, check me out on my webpage which is iontheempire.com uh, if, if I'm pronouncing it improperly. Uh, and then you also have two candidates already in the race. House members John Delaney and Tulsi Gabbard could qualify by one or another route. So, and then you have Mariana Williamson, uh, who might qualify as well, they're saying here. So, Tulsi Ga- so I follow Tulsi Gabbard and I follow John Delaney on, uh, on Twitter. When John Delaney posts something on Twitter, he gets like... 50 likes. So, I mean, definitely not a popular candidate. Tulsi Gabbard, when she posts something, she'll get like five or 10,000 likes. So, I think that she has a much larger following than John Delaney. She's more likely to get in it. Hopefully, she does because they need that, you know, that non interventionist voice. They need that anti war voice. And uh, hopefully, hopefully, her campaign will pick up steam. I don't know in this particular political era, though, if that anti-war message is the winning message for younger people who uh, supported it with Ron Paul, to be honest, because these kids just, they just want, 
They just want free stuff, man. They want socialism. They want the government to take care of them. They want to go from being taken care of by their mommy and daddy to graduating from high school and have the government pay off their student loans for them. And then they want somehow the government to just give them a job, apparently. Um, and maybe even a house. Who knows? So maybe, I mean, and usually that anti-war message is a younger person message. Hopefully that, that'll help to take get her you know, to that 65,000 uh, people that donate to our campaign, but we shall see. I'm just one of them that did. So if you want to, go ahead and do it as well. If, you, if you're as anti-war as I am, uh, go ahead and do that. So let me go ahead and wrap up. I appreciate you listening. Go ahead and subscribe to the show. And if you can, um, follow me on Twitter. You know, subscribe to the show. Give me a five-star rating and review. And then follow me on Twitter. That's at IonTheEmpire. And also IonTheEmpire.com is my website. If you want to uh, support the show, you can do that there as well. Uh, But I appreciate you really coming out and listening today. And come on back tomorrow and listen. You can do that through subscribing to the show. And then when you do come back tomorrow, you will have clear vision for 2020.